Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Guys, a small boy, those of you who have kids know this, a small boy was sent to bed by his father. Five minutes later, Dad, what? I'm thirsty. Can you bring me a drink of water? No. You had your chance. Lights out. Five minutes later. Dad, what? I'm thirsty. Can I have a drink of water? I told you no. If you ask again, I'll have to spank you. Five minutes later. Dad, what? When you come to spank me, can you bring me a drink of water? (laughs) Have you ever been thirsty? I mean, really thirsty. Now, again, I don't mean that average thirst, right? Like where a drink of water sounds good after a long walk or after working in the yard on a hot summer day. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about really thirsty, right? And just talking about water and thirst makes you thirsty. You start going, man, I need a drink, right? It's that real thirst, if you will, where the tongue sticks to the roof of your mouth. You have to peel your lips off of your teeth, right? And all you can think about is water. Have you ever been that thirsty? Well, I read a story, and it was about a fella a few years ago. He was a young Marine, a corporal named Joey Mora, and he was standing on a platform uh, of his aircraft carrier that was patrolling the Iranian Sea. Incredibly, he fell overboard. His absence wasn't known for at least 36 hours. A search and rescue mission began, but it was given up after an additional 24 hours. See, here's what they said. No one can survive the sea even without a life jacket after 60 hours. Well, his parents were notified. He was missing and presumed dead. The rest of the story is one of those truth is stranger than fiction events. Script writers would pass it up as non-believable. You see, it was four Pakistani fishermen. They found Joey Moore about 72 hours after he had fallen from the aircraft carrier. He was treading water, clinging to a makeshift flotation device made from his trousers, a skill learned in most military courses on survival training. He was delirious, and, and when they pulled him into the fishing boat, his tongue was dry and cracked, and his throat was parched. Just about two years later, as he spoke on NBC News, he recounted an, this unbelievable story of will to live. He said, it was God, it was God who kept him struggling to survive. Discovery by the fisherman made searching for him a needle in a haystack a piece of cake. Joey said, though, the one thought that took over his body and he pounded his brain over and over was that he wanted water, water, water. I find that ironic as you're floating in a sea of water that you're wanting water because this is not water that you can drink. And I started to think, have you ever, church, been thirsty like that? Well, of course, today I'm not talking about H2O. You see, because if we're being honest, we all search for something, don't you think? You go, well, like what? I think we, we all have a thirst to, to, to feel loved. We all have a longing to feel loved and accepted. You see, that's every one of us. We all have a longing, guys, to experience happiness, joy, and, of course, definitely peace. That's what we thirst for. We desperately search in our lives for meaning 
and purpose, meaning and significance. You go, what do you mean? Well, here's the thing, guys. When we thirst for something, it usually isn't a glass of water or a Gatorade or a Coke or anything else. Usually in life, speaking of which, it's usually to feel loved and accepted. It's to, it's to experience happiness and joy and peace in our lives, guys. It's to, it's to desperately search for meaning. Why am I here? Significance. What is this all about? And you see today, guys, Jesus, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, bids us to come if we're thirsty. Oh, oh, not thirsty for water. He's not saying, hey, if you're thirsty, come have a drink. Hey, if you're thirsty, meet me at the water fountain. What Jesus says to you and I today, guys, and here's where we allow the impact of God's Holy Spirit. He says, we, we, we want more of him, more of him. He bids us to come. Now, church, remember where we left off. Jesus is at the last feast of the year, right? This is a big one, right? It's called the Feast of Tabernacles. Some, you may know it as the Feast of Booths. And Jesus comes in incognito due to the fact that people were starting to talk about him. You know, his brothers are going, hey, listen, if you want a worldwide ministry, hey, if you want to get on TV, hey, if you want, to, if you want people to know who you are, you should go up to the feast early. Let people know. Start preaching, man. Listen, and, 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 and they were giving him worldly advice. They weren't listening to the Spirit. Jesus says, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good, right? And, and so they challenged him to go up, but Jesus says, no, I'm not going to go, but then goes incognito a few days later. When does he go? He goes about the third or fourth day, right in the middle of the feast. What does he do? He stands up in the temple, and he begins to teach, and he teaches like nobody has ever heard before. I mean, it's so in depth, so insightful. And the thing about the teaching of the Word of God is, it, is it's the Holy Spirit that reaches deep, deep down in our heart. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever been listening to a teaching and you're tracking right there and all of a sudden the Lord starts knocking on your heart and he begins to... You see, it happened even this morning while we were, while we were singing that last song. And it was almost like the Holy Spirit said, Ben, you've lost your wonder of me. You see, I love Jesus, and I know who he is, and I'm working for him, and I love him, and I'm going to be with him forever. But there are times when I lost the wide-eyed wonder of who God is and what he's done in my life. Why? I've got to be honest with you guys. We live in such a negative world. It just jumps on me. Ah, negative there. Oh, oh, negative. Oh, I'm so negative. And then I come in. Hey, how's it going? And then I'm, I'm like what? We're like the Christian Eeyore, right? We're just negative. How's it going? Horrible. Everything's just bad. Can't believe it. Would you like to be a Christian too? <laughs> of course not, right? But that's how it is. And so, and so Jesus stands up and he teaches and it's just so amazing. And you go, wow. But the reaction, right? The reaction isn't what we think. Verse, ter ver verse 30. Verse 30, verse 30 tells us, therefore, they sought to take him right after he teaches. He says, but no one laid a hand on him. Why? Because his hour had not yet come. So the Jews, the crowd, the people of Jerusalem, they all had mixed feelings. Here's Jesus. He's teaching like never before. And when the Pharisees heard it, he heard the crowd murmuring. Guess what he, they did? They sent their mafia hitmen to arrest Jesus. Okay, it was the officers. I called them mafia hitmen. But that's what they're doing. Listen, I mean, could you imagine? All right, call the police. Yes, 911, this is police. Hi, yes, um, Jesus is teaching. Can, can you come arrest him? I mean, that's really what it's like, right? Go get him. He's teaching. He's teaching so good. 
He's teaching like someone, and he couldn't be teaching that good because he never went to school. And so again, God's in control because they come, and right, his time hasn't come, right? Look at verse 32 with me. The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests, they sent officers to take him. Now, here's the thing, right? Listen. Now, they were not going to take him out to dinner, okay? Hey, Jesus, come on, this is a good thing. They weren't going to take him, right? And, and let's just have a talk, Jesus. They were not going to take him to the edge of the city and say, be on your way. This town isn't big enough for both of us. We're the Pharisees, we're the Sadducees, we're the chief priest. Hello, go. They're not going to do that. What do they want to take him for? Guys, in your mind, understand they want to take him and they want to kill him, which blows my mind. Because all Jesus has done up until this point is heal people, love people, heal them emotionally, heal them physically, raise them back to life, teach like never before. And those are fighting words to the Pharisees. I can't believe that. We need to kill him. Why? And so they sent some officers to take him. They want to kill him. Well, Jesus speaks to them and he says, Listen, guys, I'm only with you a short time. I'm only going to be here a short time, right? Relax. Everybody chill out, he's telling them. I'm only going to be a short time, right? And then I'm going to go back to the one who sent me. You're going to look for me, guys. You're going to, want, you're going to understand in a while, but then you won't find me. And he says, as a matter of fact, where I am, you can't come. Well, it didn't sit well with the Pharisees, right? Almost in a mocking way or demeaning way we see in Scripture towards Jesus, they say, where are you planning to go? <laughs> what do you think you're going to Are you going to go among the Greeks and, and teach them? What do you, you know, and, and they just didn't get it. In almost a, a demeaning way to Jesus. And Jesus doesn't respond. He just kind of walks off. And I love that about the Lord, don't you? There are times he's just like, I am not going to cast my pearls before swine. Listen, I, I've shown you my heart. I've told you that I love you. And you're not getting it. You're just, you're mocking me. You're demeaning me. I'm done. Well, this is about what, guys? Remember, this was about the fourth day of the feast. And so time goes by, right? A few days go by, and we come to the last day of the feast. Today's message, if you're taking note, is called Stay Thirsty, my friends. Stay Thirsty, my friends. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wait a minute, I watch TV, I see a commercial. Isn't that the most interesting man in the world who says that? And it actually, scripturally, it is. Isn't Jesus the most interesting God-man in the world? And he's going to tell us to stay thirsty. But why? Listen, guys, today we discover something very important, that Jesus is going to bid those who are thirsty to come to him and to drink from him. And he's going to tell us this. Whoever believes in him. Do you guys remember last week's study? Believes. You've, you've put your faith and trust and you're in completely. He says, out of you are going to flow rivers of living water. So Jesus is going to stand up and he says, hey, how many of you are thirsty? Now, now listen, in order to understand why Jesus would stand up on the last day of the feast and proclaim to everyone there that he is going to give them living water, we need to understand the feast. You got to get it, okay? Now, let me give you some background. Now, listen, I just don't want to give you information, okay? Oh, that was good information. I want you to understand what's going on in the context of the scripture. It's the last day, okay? And Jesus stands up and he says, and he uses water. Why does he do that? 
Well, listen up. According to Leviticus chapter 23, we learn that the feast is seven days. Everybody say seven. Every Jewish male within 15-mile radius was required to attend, which meant, guys, that the city had super amounts of people more than any other feasts. You go, why, would they, why was that? Well, first of all, it was in the fall, so it wasn't cold. Okay, it was real nice. Okay, second of all, this is, it was the Feast of Booths. So you didn't have to get a hotel reservation. You didn't have to stay with friends. You literally took your booth. You made the booth wherever you decided, and you lived in it for seven days. It was easy accommodation. So that was why everyone all over was, was there at the feast. Okay, people were everywhere. Now, here's what we need to note. About 200 years before Jesus came in the flesh, John 1.1, 1, 1, okay? You guys with me? They added actually one more day to the Feast of Booths, okay? Why did I have you seven? say seven? Because now we actually know that there's eight days in this feast. Everybody say eight, okay? So, so 200 years before Jesus comes, they add one more day. So now we have eight days in the Feast of Tabernacles. Although it's not mentioned in the Old Testament, the Jews had what they called, listen, the ceremony of water, the ceremony of water, okay? And here's what they would do. Check this out. Seven days, right? Every day for seven days, they would get up early. They would go to the temple, okay? They would come up to the temple and they would bring palms and willow branches and they would use them as a wave offering, a wave offering, and they would all we wave them towards the altar. Every day for seven days as they're doing this, the priest guys would come behind them, okay? The priest would go to the pool of Siloam. He would get water. He would walk behind them. Guys, he would come with these gold pitchers, and he would, again, come through the water gate, which is next to the fountain gate, he would come in and he, and they're waving branches. Okay. And here's what they're doing. He would take that water. Okay. And he would pour it on the altar. That's what's going on on the every day, every day. That's what's happening. Okay. And as they did this guys, they would read and they would proclaim Isaiah 12, three, which says this, Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation, right? So again, they're, they're saying, therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Everybody understand that, right? So this is what they're doing. They're waving branches. They're quoting Isaiah 12, 3. The priest is coming in with the gold pitchers from the pool of Siloam, and he pours the water on the altar, What was the purpose? Why did they do this for seven days? As they did this, the purpose was to thank God for the rain, the rain of last season. Lord, thank you for the rain. And then it would be a prayer offered up to the Lord for the rain in the coming season. So again, it was all prayer and thanksgiving. On the last day, the last day of the feast, day number eight, it was actually called the great Hosanna, the great Hosanna. It was done a little bit different. You go, how so? Okay, everybody with me, right? Seven days in the water gate next to the fountain gate, right? You go, what does the water, water gate represent? Remember, the water gate represents, if you look at Nehemiah, it represents the teaching of the word of God through the Holy Spirit. 
right? The fountain gate, everybody knows what a fountain is. So everybody's seen this. Every day, here comes the people, the great Hosanna. There's the leaves. There's the palm branches. God, God, we're just praising. On day eight, it was done a little bit different. You go, what happened on day eight? Day eight, the people would come in, and they would actually march around the temple seven times, waving branches and praying. This was symbolic of Jericho. Do you guys remember that? They would go around, right? And here's what they, they would cry out. This is what they would say. Hosanna, Hosanna, please save us. Hosanna, Hosanna, please save us. That's what they would do. This was also a very different day. How so? On the eighth day, there would be no water on the altar. Seven days, water, everybody goes, water, oh, your salvation, God. Thank you for the rain. Lord, we pray for rain in in, in the future. On the eighth day, they would just march around. Hosanna, please save us. So you you guys feel it? Doesn't that give you goosebumps, right? Why? Because that's exactly where we pick up our story. Look at verse 37 with me. It says, on the last day, what day? Day eight, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. For he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart flows rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Doesn't that blow your mind? Here's why. Listen to me. If we read the scripture and we go, well, yeah, on the eighth day, Jesus stood up in the temple. He stood up and he said, hey, give anybody thirsty. In the context, we see everybody's going, for seven days, there's water in the altar. Now there's not water in the altar. And we're walking around the, and Jesus stands up and he cries out. And what's he saying? He's saying to you and I, listen, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Everyone would go, what's he saying? Right? Because there was water everywhere. Now, here, you ready? Here's the quiz. What gate did the, did the priest come in? The water gate. The water gate. Where was the water gate located? Next to the fountain gate. It all had to do with water. Jesus is taking the very things that the people were used to and he's using them as object lessons to draw them to him. It's amazing. It's amazing. So right in the middle, right? The last day of the feast, Jesus cries out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart flows rivers of living water, right? A couple of things we need to grasp. If you and I are disciples and we're walking with Jesus, we see him do this, right? We're on the eighth day. We know the feast is almost over. We know what has happened every single day. And now Jesus gets up and we're standing there. And now he's talking about water. And he says, whoever believes in me, right? Notice what he says. If anyone, right? And then he says, he who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, here's what I want you to know. If you have a pencil handy, you can circle that word for anyone, anyone. You know what it means? Anyone, right? It's a pronoun meaning any person, every man, whosoever, whosoever, 
right? I want you to see Jesus makes an incredible offer, a worldwide proclamation. Jesus invites everyone and anyone who is thirsty. Notice that Jesus go, listen, how much money you got in the bank? Then you can come to me. No, no, no. How old? How rich? How poor? How old? Where are you from? What kind of, where's your background? Where, where's your family? He, he says, anyone, anyone, whether you're high or low, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're young or old, bond or free, Jew or Gentile, Jesus says, if you're thirsty, you need to come. You need to come. Guys, there are times when we'll have our Thanksgiving banquet here or our Christmas banquet, and I'll give an invitation, and a lot of little kids will come forward. I lift their hand because we let the kids in, and, and they'll lift their hands. And it's, that's why, because God's not going, no, 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 you're too young. You don't understand. God's moving in their hearts. And then we'll have people who are old going, you know, I want Jesus. I want Jesus. And that's what he says. That's what he says. And again, for you and I, this is amazing news for us today. Why? Because we're part of the anyone. We're part of the anyone. And Jesus bids us to come if you're thirsty. Everyone would have understood what Jesus was doing due to the fact that the water was being poured out in the altar every day except the last. He who believes in me, notice what he says. He who believes in me, right? As the scripture says, out of his heart. Well, you guys can circle that word too because it actually means out of the inward most being, out of our belly, if you will. I find it interesting, why? Because he's going to say, listen, if you believe in me, right, and you're thirsty and you want to come, you're going to be this amazing fountain of living water. See, Jesus offered a perpetual river of living water out of the innermost being. Tabernacles also looked forward, guys, to the prophecies of water flowing from the throne and from Jerusalem where the Messiah would be enthroned. Essentially, basically, Jesus said, put your loving trust in me, enthrone me in your heart, and life and abundance will flow out of you. I don't know if you knew this. How many of you know this? Right now, in the Mount of Olives, in Jerusalem, in the Mount of Olives, when Jesus comes back and he touches his foot on the Mount of Olives, the Bible tells us that there's going to be a huge earthquake and the Mount of Olives is going to split. There's a lot, there's this huge reservoir of water under the Mount of Olives that's going to flow all the way through the Dead Sea. So everything he talks about, this amazing reservoir, this amazing, he goes, but, but let's talk spiritually, right? Let's talk spiritually. You go, what do you mean? Well, look what he says. John, he lovingly just wants us to know what's going on. Verse 39, but this he spoke concerning what? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given. Why? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. He was not yet glorified, okay? So John says, oh, by the way, he's not talking about you drinking a pitcher of water and then all of a sudden it just explodes out of you, okay? He's saying this was about the Holy Spirit. When you believe in Jesus, guys, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you, but he doesn't just live in you and get stagnant in there. It's this fountain. And all of a sudden, you're going, I wasn't planning on witnessing. I was just buying my lunch. And all of a sudden, we were in this thing. All of this stuff is coming out. And, and, and this person got saved, saved. 
It's just, it just happens, guys. It just happens. It happens in fellowship. And that's what he is telling us. But he's reminding us basically that he spoke of the Holy Spirit, but he reminds us that when did the Holy Spirit come? Not until after the resurrection. You go, what do you mean? Okay, jot this down. You want proof positive of the resurrection? You're proof positive. How are you here? Somebody told you about Jesus. Somebody prayed for you. That water of living water flowed onto your life. You go, oh, I need Jesus, and you got saved. And now you're telling, and you're sharing. Do you see? It's, it's proof positive that Jesus resurrected because the Holy Spirit is living in us, and he's living through us. Can I give you a quick nugget, guys? Let the Holy Spirit love through you. Let the Holy Spirit live through you. There are a lot of times you get up, okay, I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I'm going to put on all of this stuff, and I'm going to, be, I'm going to go work for God. There's a lot of times where we go, Holy Spirit, just fill me, and you take me where you want me to go, and you say what you want me to say. And all of a sudden, at your job, at your school, somebody looks at you and goes, man, I'm going through a hard time. Can I talk to you? Man, you look like you have it all together. What's going on? Oh, I don't have it together, but I'll tell you the one who does. And <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because, guys, people are hurting in our world. I, I don't want to be Mr. Negative, but they really are hurting. They're broken, right? The enemy has done for 2,000 years, and plus that, but, but for 2,000 years since Jesus, he's done a number on people emotionally, physically. <sighs> he's broken them. And Jesus is the only one that says, hey, I can restore that. Come to me if you're thirsty. Come to me if you're thirsty. Well, how would you react? Jesus stands up. You know what's going on. You've seen the altar. You've seen the people. You've seen Hosanna, Hosanna, come save us. Jesus stands up and he says, hey, if you're thirsty, come. How would you react? Well, let's see how they react. Look at verse 40. Therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, this is, truly this is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. But some said, Will the Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scripture said the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where he was? Guess what? There is a division among the people because of him. Now, here's what we need to break down, okay? The last verse. There was a, there was a division among the people. There was a division. Now, here's what's key. Here's what I want you to write down. You can count on in your life that there will be a division of people because of your stand for Jesus. There's going to be a division in your life from people you know because you're stand for Jesus. Some of them stood up and said, he's the prophet. Now, if you have a New King James Bible, it's capitalized because they're thinking Deuteronomy, this is the prophet that Moses prophesied about. He's the prophet. He's the Christos. It's not, it's not, I mean, it could mean, uh, you know, it could mean, well, he's like one of the prophets. He's one of the teachers. But because it's capitalized, they're, they're, the emphasis is he's the one that Moses preached about. No, 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 no. He's not the one that Moses, he's actually the Christos, the anointed one, the Christ, the Meshach. He's the, he's the Messiah. And then other people go, Really? I thought the Messiah was going to come out of Bethlehem. This one's from Galilee. What's going on? Well, where, did, where was Jesus born? Bethlehem, right? They, they knew, but they were just, there was, a, there, was a, there was a division. There was a division. 
Guys, listen to this. Some people rejected Jesus because they were ignorant, not knowing the truth about him. These ones didn't know that Jesus was really born in Bethlehem, even though they knew the prophecies of Jesus being born in Bethlehem. I want to say that again, okay? Because I want to reel it into 2018. You go, what do you mean? There are a lot of people, guys, who will reject Jesus simply because they're ignorant in, the, in knowing the truth about him. Knowing the truth. They're just, yeah. You see, a lot of people will reject Jesus because of what they think Jesus should be in their lives. A lot of people reject Jesus because he is not living up to or fulfilling what they think he should be doing. They don't read the truth and see who Jesus is. They don't see the heart of who he is. They only think this is what Jesus should be like, and he didn't do that, and so I don't like him. And they reject him. Guys, we talked about that on Wednesday night. Do you remember? We said basically, you know what? There are a lot of people who are, who are hurt because they may have prayed a prayer and said, Jesus, please, if you love me and if you're God of love, please don't let my Nana die or please don't let so-and-so die, please. And then they end up dying anyway. And so they're hurt and they're broken because of that. And they don't understand that we live in a yucky fallen world and that death is part of God's grace. And they, don't, they miss the whole truth and they're ignorant. And so they... They walk away from Jesus. A lot of people did that. You see, right here, they, a lot of people missed, they missed it, and they missed him. Look at verse 44 with me. It says, now some of them, what did they want to do? They wanted to take him. Where are they going to take him, right? Cracker barrel? I mean, seriously, what are they going to take him? It says, but no one laid hands on him. Then the officers came to the chief priests. Remember the officers who were sent out? And they came to the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they said, and they said, why have you not brought him? And the officers answered, he said, no man ever spoke like this man. Isn't that amazing? They're going to get him. They're stopped dead in their tracks. Then they're looking at him, and Jesus is speaking. And they're like, mm-mm, mm-mm. You're going to get him? No, I'm not going to get him. You get him. You get him. Okay. Paul, go get him. Not me. I'm not going to get him. Nobody's ever talked like this. I mean, that's one reason, right? That's what the Bible says. But we know that his time has not yet come. We get that. There is a time when they're going to come in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? And they're going to take Jesus. And we know the story. Right now, this is not the time. So they go back to the boss, right? And the boss goes, where's Jesus? And they're like, "Mm mm-mm. No man has ever talked like this, right? The, the arrest was unsuccessful. Then the Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? Look around us, guys. But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Do you, do you hear the pride and the pompous superiority in their words? Do you hear that? I mean, listen. Do you, you look around? We don't believe in him, and we're the religious elite. Come on. I told you, go get him. You didn't get him. You said that no one ever, no one is ever taught like him. Look at us, and you can see the pride just dripping. And then they're going, why do you listen to the common people? They don't know anything. And I just listen to the snobbish and the contempt of these words. Right? Now, right at this time, right at this time, 
a man named Nicodemus. You guys remember Nicodemus? It's really easy to remember. Why? Because you can just remember Nick at night. Okay? Nick came at night to Jesus. Well, he's going to do something very interesting. He's going to make a small stand for Jesus. Okay? So he came to Jesus and he goes, Jesus, how do you get born again? How do you really get saved? For you and I, it's like, how do I get to heaven? Tell me. And Jesus says, listen, Here's the best way to do it. You're going to, you need to be born from above. That's what it means. You need to be born from above. It's the Holy Spirit who, who comes into your heart. It's called born again. And Nicodemus is like scratching his head and he's like, um, how can I be born? I mean, how could anyone be born again? I mean, they can't go back and be born. I mean, that's silly, Jesus. He goes, man, you're missing it. You're missing it. It's spiritual. It's the Holy Spirit who comes in and does that work. Well, I believe that Nicodemus got born again. And Nicodemus is like, hey, man, I'm, I'm saved. I'm saved. I don't know. I'm saved. What do I do now? What do I, I don't know. I'm saved. I guess I'll go back and still be a Pharisee. I'm saved. But I don't, I don't know. Anybody can relate to that? Do you guys remember when you first got saved? You had no clue. You're like, I'm saved, but I'm still doing stuff I shouldn't be doing because I'm not sure that I'm supposed to be doing. And so, and so it takes a while for God to begin to work and say, hey, you probably shouldn't do this. Oh, yeah, that's probably a good idea. It's probably a good idea. Now, listen, there are times when you have a well-meaning brother or sister, when you get saved, saying, okay, let me give you the rules. These are the do's and don'ts. You can't do this. 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 And you sit there and you go, man, how did I get saved? I can't do anything now. How? It's better when the Holy Spirit does it in your life. Because, because we're rebellious people. I didn't hear an amen on that. And when you say you can't do something, what's the first thing you want to do? Don't tell me I can't do that. Watch me. Don't step on the grass. Why do we do that? You know what? There's a sign that says don't walk right there. Why not? Don't they know who I am? Probably don't, right? <laughs> you, you, you see my point? You, you, see, you, you see the point? Nicodemus, guys, is probably saved, and he makes a small stand for Jesus. Look at verse 50. So Nick, a Demas, right, who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said, he looks at his, his, he looks at his, his a group, his posse, his, his gang, and he says this, hey, guys, does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he's doing, right? And that's like busted, can't be trusted. Why? Hey, what are we doing here, guys? You want to kill him? Should we not at least um, hear him out? Should we like do this right? And look what they say to him. And they answered and said to him, are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. I mean, they right away come against Nicodemus. All Nicodemus is trying to point. Anybody ever have, hey, listen, but we probably shouldn't do this. Maybe we should. You, you're not even on our team. You're not on our side. You need to go on the other team. Why are you doing this? And again, right away, Nick, Nick tries to take a small stand in these guys, these, these Pharisees. Man, they, they come back harsh. And I'm surprised Nick didn't go, well, wait a minute. Listen, the scriptures say that Jesus was going to, the, the Christus, the Yeshua was going to come out of Bethlehem and Jesus was born in Bethlehem and he didn't. It just it sort of ends right there. So let's close with this, guys. Let's close with this. As believers, okay, 
in Jesus, we're called to stay thirsty. See, to want more of all that God has for us. To want more. So that you and I are tapped into the spring, if you will, of the living water. Right? What does it mean? Beloved, to gain a spiritual thirst, where should we draw? We should draw from the right well. Jesus stands up and he says, he says, if you are thirsty, I'm thirsty, Lord. I need more of you. Guys, the closer we get to the return of Jesus Christ, the more we're going to need his spirit. The more, the more we live in this world and we, and we watch what's going on and we see the news. Parents, parents, I beg you, with little ones, the more you, you're, you're responsible for bringing up your kids, the more you're going to need God's Holy Spirit to help you and guide you. Jesus says, hey, where, where are you drinking from? Where are you drinking from? You see, the Lord, the Lord says, to acquire a spiritual thirst, you must not only desire it, but you must also come to Jesus to obtain it. And let me ask you this, guys. If you're, if you're feeling like you are spiritually dry, the Lord invites you this morning to come to him, to come for spiritual renewal, to come and say, oh, okay, I'm thirsty. Remember God's promise, right? The Lord's promise, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And so my question to you this morning, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for God? Are you thirsty for a victorious life? And you need to come to Jesus and drink. His, inv his invitation only has one requirement. You go, what's that, Pastor? If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. All you have to do is come. All you have to do is come. What's the scripture telling us? Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay thirsty for the Lord. Stay thirsty. Stay thirsty for God. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning and the truth in your word. We thank you, God, that you bid us to come and that out of us will flow rivers, God. Not just, not just a drip, not just a little trickle, but rivers of living water. But Lord, my prayer this morning is that there's a lot of us that need to be, well, we need to be well watered before, before we can have this abundant of, of water flowing from us. And there's a lot of us here this morning, Lord, that have come in hurt and broken and and we've come in a little bit thirsty, a little bit thirsty, God. We're, we're dry spiritually. We're crying out to you saying, God, God, please, I, uh, I'm thirsty. I need you. I need more of you. And many of us in this room are trying to find purpose and meaning. And many of us are trying to find peace and joy. And many of us are thirsting just to feel accepted and loved and you bid us to come
With every eye closed and every head bowed, here's my question to you, if you don't mind. If you're, if you're here this morning and, and you just need a touch from the Lord Jesus, just a touch, you, you, you're thirsty, you've been thirsty, you're dry, and you, and you want that, that spiritual refreshment, would you just come to the Lord? Would you just reach out to him? You go, how, pastor? Well, listen, I'm not going to embarrass you or make you stand up or, or anything else. But, but listen, if, if you're here and you need Jesus, you need that touch that you just long for, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand real quick just so I can pray for you. I'm going to acknowledge you, and then I'm just going to pray a quick prayer over you. But if you're here and you go, man, I'm hurt, I'm thirsty, I need Jesus, will you just lift up your hand real quick? Nobody will see. All you got to do is go, pastor, that's me. Just pray for me. I just need Jesus. Will you lift it up right now if you're, if you're needing something? I just want to pray for you. If you're needing that thirst, if you're just dry, if you're empty and you're broken, would you do that right now? Is there anyone that would say, Pastor, pray for me. I just need more of Jesus. Father, thank you so much. We love you and we worship you. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.